Well, many times, many times when it comes to this time of year, uh, the Christmas story is told. And many times it's only partly told. The whole story is not told. Well, in Isaiah, 700 years before the story took place, before it became an actual reality, Isaiah the prophet predicted that it was going to happen. But he predicted the rest of the story. Not, not just the manger, but everything that goes with it. And in Isaiah chapter 9, matter of fact, we'll just read it. Now, here's what's going to happen. It's going to get dark, so don't worry about trying to open your Bibles because you won't be able to see them. You just trust me, all right? I'm going to try to quote a lot of this stuff. It'll be, some of it will be on the screen. And, and so I want you to just sit back and relax. You don't have no outlines to fill in today. I want you to just be able to listen and absorb it all in. And all God's people say it. But before we do, before we do, can we read in concert? Can everybody read together? Uh, Isaiah chapter number nine in verse six and seven. This is the Christmas story given complete 700 years before it took place. Isn't that amazing? 700 years. Let's read it. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Somebody say amen. Yes. Of the increase. Here we go. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it. And all God's people say it. Amen. Well, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to have his way in this service. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful and thankful for your mercy, your kindness, your goodness. Lord, you have been so good to me. And Lord, I pray that you will guide this service as we tell the complete story, the whole story, the rest of the story. I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in a great way. Lord, in a crowd this size, there's no doubt in my mind that there's somebody lost that doesn't know you as their Savior. If they were to die right now, this instant, this moment, they would bust hell wide open. Lord, for that person, I pray that you'll begin convicting them right now that they need you. They need forgiveness. They need redemption. And Lord, they can have it today. They can be saved today. And Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. We glorify your name. Be glorified in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is born. 700 years later. 700 years later, we learn, uh, Dr. Luke tells us in his gospel, that there came an angel, there came an angel to Mary. His name was Gabriel. And he said, I am Gabriel who comes from the presence of God. And he had an announcement to give to Mary. 
and said, Mary, you are well favored. You've been chosen to give birth to the very son of God. It is, it is your calling to give birth to the Messiah. She was a virgin. She had, was engaged or espoused, as the Bible would say, to uh, a man by the name of Joseph. And in this situation, we find it's very, very unorthodox in that time, very uh, uh, unusual. Well, it's impossible, a virgin, a virgin becoming pregnant, but it happened. And in Acts, or excuse me, uh, Luke chapter number two, we find that the Bible says that there, uh, uh, it came to pass that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. So every man went to his home city and it just happened to be that Joseph's home city was Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Now he was living in Nazareth of Galilee, but he was from Bethlehem, the city of David in Judea. Now what happened? Because of the taxation, he had to leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem. Now, why was that so important? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll find out that the prophet said the Messiah, the, the, the child would be born in Bethlehem. Amen. So God used a wicked, a wicked world leader and taxes to get his job done. So Mary, 14 months pregnant. She travels 70 miles on a donkey. Can you ladies imagine? And they get to, the, they get to Bethlehem and it's so crowded. Man, everybody in the world's trying to get accomplished the same thing. Everybody's trying to do their responsibility and, and, and the place was jam-packed with people. According to Dr. Luke, it was so packed that there was no place for them to stay. There was no room in the end, but the time was come that she should be delivered. And the Bible says she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the end. Those swaddling clothes were strips of cloth, strips of cloth that they would take and, and wrap around the lambs that were born, the, not just any lamb, but the perfect lambs, the lambs that would be used for the sacrifices and the day of atonement because a lamb had to be without spot and without blemish. And they would take those, those strips of cloth, those swaddling garments and wrap around those lambs to keep them safe. Well, Mary takes, Mary takes those strips of cloth and she wraps up her little lamb and lays him in a manger. And then the Bible says, the Bible says there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. But the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord Amen. unto you. Same wording as Isaiah, same wording. For unto us a child is born, unto you a savior is born. I looked that phrase up and it means for you. Unto you means for you. For you a child was born. 
for you a Savior was given. Man, there was rejoicing. There was worship in heaven. The shepherds got all excited. They had to go see, and they ran, and they found the mother and the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, just like the angels said. But what's so special about this baby? I mean, there's been millions of babies born. What's the big deal? Well, the angel said, I bring you good tidings. Now, most of the time when you come home and you tell your spouse, hey, you don't usually say, honey, I got good tidings. <laughs> what do you normally say? I've got some good news. Well, that's the same phrase, good news. Good news, good news. Do you know what the definition of the word gospel is? Good news. You know what those angels were doing? They were proclaiming the gospel. The good news, the good tidings that there was a savior that was born. This wasn't just any baby. This was God's son. This was, this was deity becoming humanity. I remember, I remember the very first time that I visited Bethlehem. Me and my father were on the same trip and as we were coming into Bethlehem, I remember to this day, I remember our guide getting on the microphone on the tour bus and saying, ladies and gentlemen, this is where the creator invaded the world he created. This is where the creator came and he became a man. Paul told the church at Philippi, he said it this way. In chapter number two of Philippians, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What that means is he didn't selfishly hold on to that form of God that he was before the incarnation. He didn't selfishly hold on to that. But the Bible says, after, after it, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. John tells us in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made. I think verse 14 of John 1 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Matthew says it this way. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God, God with us. What do we see at his birth? We see his humility, his humility. He wasn't born in a hospital. And matter of fact, let's just say, let's just be straight up. He didn't come as the hero on a stallion. He was not the white knight who rode in on a stallion to save the day. He came as a helpless, totally dependent little baby. And not only did he come as a totally dependent, helpless baby, but he came in a manger, in a dirty animal stall and not a five-star hotel. Or, or a palace or a mansion. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying God humbled himself to the lowest low. Yeah. 
so that he could relate to every single human being. His humility. The Bible says he that was rich became poor that we might be made rich. His humility, but not only his humility, but the hope in his birth. The hope in his birth. He was telling, you see, why would they need hope? Why was this such a big deal to these shepherds that they heard this announcement? Well, you got to understand that there was a promise from a long time ago. The Old Testament prophets had promised, said, listen, God will send a savior. God will send a deliverer. They had been in bondage. They had been under the rule of the Roman Empire. And they were taskmasters and they were cruel to them. And every day they begged God to send a savior, send a Messiah, send somebody to deliver this yoke off of our neck. And the angel said, he's here, he's here, he's here. Good news to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, say it with me everybody real loud, a a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He's not just any baby. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the hope. Now listen, he's the hope of every man. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. Amen? Amen. Huh. Seems kind of unusual to have a cross at a Christmas service. Usually, usually this is for Easter. Preacher, what are you doing? This is December. It's not Easter. Well, I told you in the beginning, we were going to tell you the and do you know you can't really good, get all the goody out of the Christmas story if you don't understand the Easter story? And you say, well, I just don't think that goes together. Well, Isaiah thought it did. Because he said, unto us a child is born, unto us or for us a, a son is giving. Now, where did God give a son? Well, in context, we have to go to the apostle John. In John chapter number three, the Bible says that if he be lifted up, talking about Christ, if he be lifted up like the serpent in the wilderness, which is in referencing the cross of Calvary, whoever believes, whoever looks upon, whoever puts their faith and trust in him, it says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have That's the context. Where was a son given? It was on a hill called Calvary, on an old rugged cross. Our Savior bled and died for you and me. Listen, this is as much part of the Christmas story. And, and let me give you the words of the Lord Jesus to prove my point. When Jesus was arrested, when Jesus was arrested, 
They were interrogating him. The, 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 the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, uh, they arrested Jesus in the garden. Most of y'all remember the story. And they took him and falsely accused him of blasphemy, falsely accused him of being a traitor against the Roman Empire, uh, an insurrectionist, if you will. And they take him to a pilot because they had no authority to execute him. And they said, he deserves to be killed. We want you to crucify him. Well, Pilate, he, he's really not wanting anything to do with this, but he has no choice in the matter. He has to deal with it and begins to talk with Jesus and he begins to interrogate him. And listen, he comes back several times and said, I find no fault in this man. Well, the, the, the religious leaders just would not have it. They said, crucify him, crucify him. If you don't do this, you're not a friend of Caesar. Oh my goodness. He comes back and he addresses the Lord. And he says, are you a king? Don't you understand? Don't you understand I have power to take your life? Don't you understand I can say the word and they will nail you to a cross? Don't you understand I have the authority and power to kill you? Jesus said, you have no power over me. I lay my life down and I'll take it back up again. Then he asked Jesus this question. Are you a king? Jesus said, thou sayest, thou sayest. Then he says this, this is what's important. To this end was I born. To this end. Now, Pilate, you think, you think this just happened. You, you, you think this is just happenstance. You think this is just a coincidence that we are here today. But you don't understand, I was born for this. Some would say, some would say he was born to raise the dead, and he did. If you were to talk to Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they oh yeah, he was born to raise the dead. He did, but that's not why he was born. Oh, I know, I know, I was there. I was there in the ship. I was there when he walked on water. He was born to walk on water. Oh, he did, but that's not why he was born. Oh, I know what it was. He was born, he was born to heal the lame and heal the blind and heal the sick and heal the disease. Oh man, did he ever do that all over the place. But that's not why he was born. Oh, I know. He was born to feed thousands with one little lad's lunch. Well, he did. But that's not why he was born. You see, Mary wrapped her little lamb in the same strips of cloth that the lambs were wrapped with that was for the, the day of atonement, for the remission of sins. John said it so well. John knew why he was born. John, when he saw Jesus coming down the shoreline, he said, y'all think I'm him? I'm not him. You keep asking me if I'm a prophet or if I'm Elijah, come back from the dead. Am I the one that's been promised? Am I the Messiah? Am I that prophet? Well, let me tell you this. There he is. I'm not even worthy to latch his shoe. That is him. Behold, meaning look, behold the lamb of God, which taketh away this. He was born to die. He was born to die. 
What do we see in this story? What do we see in this bloody cross? Well, the first thing I see is love. For God so loved the world that a son was given. But God, in Romans it says, Romans 5, 8, I think, says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, what's so precious about that? We see the evidence of this. We see the evidence of this when they were nailing Jesus to the cross. Listen, he cried out to his father. He said, Father, forgive them for they. They know not what they do. He said, they don't even realize what they're doing. They don't understand what they're doing. Oh, Father, forgive them while they were doing it, while they were committing this heinous act. He says, forgive them. What does that mean? God is not waiting on you to get straightened up for him to love you. God's not waiting on you to get figured out or fixed up or straightened up or straightened out. He loves you right now. In our failures, in our weaknesses, in our frustrations, in all of our our iniquities and our our sin, he loves you right now. I've heard people say, boy, when I get straightened out, I'm going to go to church. Well, that's stupid. That's like saying, as soon as my car quits leaking oil and skipping, I'm going to take it to the shop. As soon as I quit having the sniffles, as soon as I quit having this fever, I'm going to go to the doctor. No, you go. When you're sick, you go to the doctor. When your car's not running right, you take it to a shop. When you're weak in sin and you've had failures in your life, you go to church and God will fix you. Why? Because he loves you. For God so that he gave his only begotten son. How much does he love me? Well, enough to give you his best. While humanity was giving him their worst. What's the motivation behind the cross? Love. I've heard people ask this question. How could God Love a sinner like me. Because they evaluate their life and they look at all the mistakes they've had and all the failures that they've experienced and they they look at their list of sins and it seems to be way bigger than other people's list of sins and they just can't fathom how a holy God could love a sinner like them. Well, I've got the answer. It's very simple. John told us in 1 John, listen, I think it's chapter four. He says this, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone that loveth God is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God for, watch this now, for God is love. He's a preacher, how could he love me? Because that's what he is. How could he love me? That's who he is. Listen, he doesn't have to work it up. He's love. He is the picture, the epitome. He is the answer. He is love. 
And, and everybody in here, you need to understand he loves you right now. He doesn't love you when you get to where you think you need to be. His love is unconditional. He loves you right now. But let me tell you something. He loves you enough not to leave you in the shape you're in. If you'll come to him, he'll, <laughs> he will do wonders. You see, the motivation behind this cross is love. But then the ministry of this cross, for whosoever believeth in him should not but have that's the ministry of the cross what does the cross accomplish forgiveness for every man what does the cross accomplish everlasting the cross is a brutal image but it took the cross for my sins to be forgiven. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? Sing it with me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, hold it. Oh, no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Give the Lord praise and glory. I've never understood how a black cow can eat green grass and give white milk. And I've never understood how Jesus can take black sin and dip it in red blood and it come out white as snow. Come now, let us reason together, the prophet said. Let's talk about this thing. Let's be reasonable. Let's discuss this. Come now. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Pure as the driven snow. White as snow. You don't realize how white snow is till you pour milk in it. Now milk is white, but next to snow, it looks plum yellow. What is he saying? It don't get, in other words, when you come to Christ, you don't get no cleaner than that. You don't need anything else. Nothing else is required. Man, I'm about to have fit right here. 
You can take your failures, you can take your weaknesses, you can take your sins, you can take all these things that you're ashamed of and embarrassed of and bring it to Christ and you don't get no cleaner than that. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. <laughs> Church, say amen. Thank God for the cross. He said, to this end, to this end was I born. So it's, it's part of the Christmas story. For Say it with me. For unto us a child Unto us a, but see, oh brother Isaiah, he said there's more to the story. There's more to the story. He said not only is there gonna be a baby born, but there's gonna be a son that's given. And he's, listen, that son is gonna have a government. The government shall be upon his shoulder. So preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this on the third day. After they took Jesus off the cross, they put him in a tomb. And after the third day, guess what happened? He rose again. He walked on this earth many days to authenticate, to prove. He met with many people. When he went back to heaven, and he went back to heaven. He was meeting with the disciples. And they said, are you going to set up your kingdom? Are you going to do it now? Are you going to do what's been promised? So you God promised to give them their kingdom back. That there was going to come a king. There was going to come a Messiah. And he would deliver them. He would be a savior. And he would set up the, the Jewish kingdom again. And they said, are you going to do it now? Are you going to do it now? Acts 1. He said, hey. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own hand. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they said, okay. And then a cloud descended from heaven, came down. He stepped on the cloud and said, glory, please. And that cloud took him up. And these disciples are so blown away. They're sitting there like, whoa. I mean, they're just, they're, in, they're awestruck. And the angel came and said, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Lord, this same Jesus, he's going to come back in like manner as you have seen him leave. Get to work. Get to doing what he told you to do. He's coming back. Paul told the Thessalonians. Paul told the Thessalonians, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds. We're going to return with the Lord one day. He's coming back. Isaiah said he came, and he's coming again. And all God's people say it. What's he coming for? God promised King David 
If you go back to the Old Testament, you'll find out that David was a man after God's own heart. And God made a promise. The Davidic covenant. He said, David, I'm going to make a promise with you. Somewhere down the line, one of your, one of, one of your lineage from your loins will come. And he will assume the throne, your throne. He will take the throne of his father David and his kingdom, there shall be no end. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that, that baby that was born humbly in a manger, that baby that arrived and, and he came into his own and his own received him not, that baby, the humanity did not even realize who he was, so there was no room for him. That baby who was lied about, betrayed, and brutalized, and hung on a cross, that baby who died and rose again, he's not going to come the second time like he came the first time. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the first time he came as a babe in a manger, the, the first time he came as the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. But the second time he comes, he's gonna come as a lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He's gonna come as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's gonna come as a prince of heaven and he's gonna set up his government on this earth. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm, I'm telling you this, he's gonna call his bride home. He's going to call his bride home. According to the book of Revelation, he's going to call his bride. He's going to come in the rapture and take his bride to be with him for seven years of tribulation here upon this earth. They are going to go through the judgment of God and the wrath of God. At the end of the seven years, he's going to mount a white stallion and we're going to ride, listen, we're going to ride on horses with him and we're going to return to this earth and he is going to rule and reign for 1,000 years. He's going to be the king of the earth. He's going to be the king of the earth. He's going to separate the nations, the sheep and the goats, the right and the wrong. He's going to separate them and everyone that goes into his kingdom will be right. And he's going to rule. And do you know Isaiah, he described what that kingdom was going to look like? He sure did. He described what it was going to be, what it was going to be like. Now, I don't, I don't know... I don't, I don't know if you do this or not, but I'm bad about this, and i got to quit it because it's, I'm, I'm just getting consumed with it. But I, I, I watch podcasts and, and, and listen to podcasts, and, and I watch, I watch uh, uh, documentaries. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it, my, my TV went out in my bedroom, and now all I guess is YouTube, and, and, and YouTube's full of documentaries. And I can just go from one to the other to the other to the other, and I'm, and I'm telling you, I'm watching what's happening in North Gaza and South Gaza uh, in Galilee on the northern front with Hezbollah. I'm watching all this stuff, and, I, and you know what? Everything you see, there is no peace on earth. There is no peace on earth. There's nothing but turmoil. There's nothing but killing. There's nothing but bloodshed. There's nothing but murder and mayhem. Let me tell you, there will be no peace on this earth till the Prince of Peace shows up. Watch what, watch what the Bible says in Isaiah. I'll have to, I'll have to read this one because my brain too wore out to memorize it. I'm 50 years old, y'all. I tried, but my, my, I had smoke coming out my ears. Watch what it says. 
Isaiah chapter 2. He shall judge among the nations. He shall rebuke many people. And they shall be... <laughs> they <laughs> Woo, say amen. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. There's more money spent on this planet on killing machines and weaponry and devices to destroy one another. But when he comes, they're going to learn war no more. There's not going to be a defense department. There's not going to be a defense budget. There's not going to be any more buying of of, of javelins and, and there's not going to be any more buying of, of, of guns and rifles and bullets and tanks and all of this stuff. You say, what are they going to do with all that money? They're going to make farm tractors. <clears throat> That's right. Instead of Abram's tanks going by, there's going to be John Deere Greens. Amen. I got Bible right here. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into. That's farm equipment, y'all, any way you want to look at it. Yes, sir. Oh, Austin Weston, A.W. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Read it with me. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Can we give God praise right there? Y'all know what? It's not just going to be a major difference in the human world. There's going to be a major change in the animal kingdom too. Say, what's going to happen there? The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. That's meaning the baby goat. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. Wow. Look what it says. The cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying when the Prince of Peace shows up, it's going to turn everything into vegetarians. You see, all the killing came from the curse. And when he comes, he's going to reverse the curse. I don't know about y'all, but I kind of feel like old Apostle John. <laughs> the Apostle John was on the Isle of Patmos and God was showing him all these things that were going to come to pass. All that's going to happen, he, John got to see the white horse. John got to see the armies in heaven. John got to see everything that God promised is going to happen. And you know what he come up with? This is what he come up with. After God let him see everything that's coming, you see that's past, that's past, this is, this is future. He's not king on this earth yet. Spiritually, he is king in our hearts and yours and mine hearts. We are in the kingdom but one day it's going to be a literal kingdom. Right. Amen. A literal kingdom. And, and John got to see all that. 
And do you know what his response was? If you go and read the very last chapter of Revelation, this is all he could come up with. And I'm with him because this is what I just said too. Even so come quickly, quickly come Lord Jesus, come now. Don't even wait. Let's get it on. I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready for some peace. I'm ready for the Prince of Peace. I'm ready to celebrate. I'm ready to worship in Jerusalem. I'm ready to, I'm ready to walk up those, those steps that the pilgrims, worshipers used to walk up and say psalms and verses on the way to the, to the Temple Mount to be by the presence of God. Even so, come. Come quickly. He's coming. I've been to where he's going to land. It's called the Mount of Olives. The Bible says he's going to land on the Mount of Olives and he's going to walk across the Kidron Valley and he's going to go through the eastern gate that the Muslims have concreted up. I don't know if he's going to say the words and the concrete's going to melt or he's going to say, hey, somebody give me a hacksaw. Let's go. But some way or another, the king of kings is coming through. They can do everything they can to keep him out, but he's coming. And he's going to sit on the throne of his father, David. And you know what CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, LTY, XYZ, you know what all I'm going to say? He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the prince of peace. And of his government, there shall be no end. Give God praise and glory.